There's well over 100 individuals that would be persons of interest in relation to these gangs. They have no scruples in using very young children to break into houses and stuff like that. They targeted um, the, basically the whole country. People are, are suffering in silence and absolutely terrorised because of the activities of, of this gang. I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. In life, they formed a prolific burglary gang that terrorised the country and made use of the motorway systems as getaway routes. Tala criminals Graham Taylor, Carl Freeman and Dean Maguire died together last July in a horror road crash when the car they were travelling in collided head-on with a lorry as they drove the wrong way down the N7. But what is the legacy of the trio? And has there been any significant effects on crime figures in the areas they targeted in recent weeks? Today, I'm talking to Irish independent crime correspondent Ken Foy about the life and times of the three notorious criminals and the plummeting burglary rates since their deaths. This is Crime World Extra, a podcast from sundayworld.com. So, Ken, Graeme Taylor, Carl Freeman and Dean Maguire, who were they? And um, can you give me a little bit of background about, uh, you know, why they might have been in the news? These three individuals would have been considered um, among the most prolific uh, organised burglars, really, in the the state in the last five or six years, or or even longer. Um, They would have utilised the motorway network uh, to target... um, People all all across Ireland in um, in organised burglaries, oftentimes with the help of their associates in in rural counties, um, who who are able to give them intel um, to what might be a lucrative target, often an elderly person, and um, they'd all served time in jail, and um, they had well over two hundred previous convictions between them. They were really considered to be um, a very serious. Uh, organised criminal outfit. So what sort of areas were they targeting and did they have people working with them maybe who would identify possible targets for them or did they randomly, you know, rob houses as they, were they kind of travelling around the country in order to see houses that they could rob at, at the night time or? There, there was a little bit of that in, in terms of them carrying out their own surveillance but in relation to the rural robberies um, that they carried out, in most cases, Gardy believed that they, people on the ground living in those counties um, would have been able to tip off the gang who, who would uh, leave often at night from their base in Tala and travel all over the country to, uh, to commit these burglaries. And, you know, were they part of a major gang? How many people did they, was there any estimation of how many people they were working with? And did they come up through the ranks of a of an earlier organisation? Because I do remember, wasn't there um, a gang identified maybe over 10 years ago who had been using those motorways in particular as their escape? And I think they were also from the Tala area. Yes, all, all these gangs, and a lot of them are from the Tala area, um, would be intertwined. Um, you're talking about, is certainly, 
when it's all added up, there's well over 100 individuals that would be persons of interest in relation to these gangs. Many of them are family-based. Um, and the shocking thing about it is they, they have no scruples in using very young children to break into houses and stuff like that, as well as the fact that um, some of their getaway drivers are actually uh, middle-aged women. So it's, um, it's, it's, it's hard to quantify how many exact members were, were in the, the gang of, of the three lads because everything was so much intertwined. Um, on the night that they were killed, they were working together. Um, in fact, it's believed that the, the actual driver, Carl Freeman, was wearing a dress as a pizza delivery driver. Um, again, in a bid, I suppose, to if they were stopped, maybe to, to not arouse suspicion. But um, on another night, they could be working with a different crime grouping, but most of them were from the Tala area. And um, it was July 7th, I think, when their car collided with the lorry head-on as it drove the, the wrong way down the N7. A horrific crash. Uh, and the aftermath of it probably made them more famous in death than they were in life. Yes, certainly it, it was it was a very horrific crash. Gardy had been aware of of the car they were driving in. It it hadn't actually been stolen, but they were aware of it driving erratically. And um, there was a short pursuit, but the um, it was decided that it was just too dangerous to follow them, and so it proved. Um, they drove. They smashed right into that lorry, and um, thankfully the, the lorry driver didn't really receive serious injuries. He was released from hospital um, a couple of days after the incident. And he's living in a location in Munster at, at the moment, but he's said to be ex- still extremely, extremely traumatised about what happened that night. Sure, my goodness. I'd find it difficult to get back in behind the wheel myself. Um, it sounds like the stuff of nightmares, a car coming at you at speed um, towards you on the wrong side of a, a motorway like that. So did... Do you have any idea that these trio, Taylor, Freeman and Maguire, did they work together every night, do you think, or did they go about their business separately? They were obviously friends as well as uh, guys who who robbed together. Yes, they were friends. As I was saying, they wouldn't always have been working together, just in, in relation to the gang structure um, with the burglary mm-hmm. gangs that are primarily operating out of, out of Tala. So it wouldn't be every night that those three lads would have been going around together. Um, some nights too, they might be going with another crew. Um, one of them might be going um, with, you know, with, with another crew. But basically, the mo- of the three lads, uh, Graham Taylor, um, who, who was the oldest of them, um, would have been considered by Gardy the most significant, the, the most senior of the criminals. Um, and in fact, as, as I suppose as part of our research when we were covering the story in the aftermath of it. Um, I, I spoke to a, a social worker out in the Tala area who, who had worked with Graham Taylor back in 2003 um, uh, when it was, it was a crime diversion programme, uh, a very well-run pro, uh, programme by all accounts. And Taylor was in it at the age of 13. And even at that stage, this, this worker was able to say that it was clearly obvious he was, in a criminal sense, a leader of the rest of the teenagers, the vulnerable teenagers um, that were there. And even at that stage, he used to steal stuff from the uh, office, damage equipment and threaten staff. And this is when the chap was, you know, he was 13, 14 years Mm -hmm. of age. When he was confronted, it was regular enough for him to threaten to rape staff. And um, in fact, the worker told me about just when you spoke to him, you just saw a chilling stare 
in his eyes. And uh, when she first learned of this uh, horrific car crash um, or collision, um, she automatically she she uh, was was almost certain that this guy um, was was one of the victims of it. So um, mm. this is the this is the pedigree we're talking about here with uh, with Mr. Taylor. He's a he's a man with, who had a, I believe something like. 120 previous convictions. At the time of the accident, he was only three months out of jail. And um, ironically, um, he had served a two and a half year sentence for a very dangerous car chase in the in the Tala area. Um, At the time, he was he was actually serving a 40 year driving ban. But speaking to guards that had knowledge of that particular car chase that he got to two and a half years for, apparently, it was also. It was a miracle that no one was actually killed in that particular incident as well. Could you imagine a guy like that coming in through your door in the middle of the night, especially if you're an elderly person? And I'm sure, I've no doubt, this gang targeted people living on their own and the vulnerable because it's easier to get in and get out and maybe older people are more likely to have valuables in their home maybe than than younger people. Um, But interestingly, what you were writing about this week was the decrease in burglaries in the areas that this gang would have been targeting or would have been known to be operating in. Yes, and it's, it's quite, quite a, it was some dramatic, um, dramatic drops. Uh, basically, the, the piece concerned, um, we were looking at figures um, of burglaries in, in the Leinster area, um, some of their prime hunting grounds, for want of a better word, um, burglary figures while they were active and in, in existence in June and sometimes a bit before June, and, th- and then we were comparing, the, comparing those figures to August. Now, obviously, um, I'd like to stress as well, um, the, the deaths of these very three prolific burglars would not be the only reason for the drop in these figures. As, as you're well aware of, Nicola, yourself, you've covered it. Um, the guards have done a number of, over the summer a number of significant operations against burglary gangs particularly another uh, crowd in Tallow that we can't name for legal reasons who who they have before the courts now in, in relation to a serious money laundering investigation and there's been I suppose been less high profile arrests um singular arrests you know over the over the months as well so it, the drop can't be fully attributed to the deaths of these guys, but senior Gardaí, Gardaí that are involved in investigating burglaries, have no doubt that it's a very significant uh, factor. So you're looking at drops, um, which which are staggering in some cases, from what I can gather, like in the Mead West Mead Garda Division, there were 60 recorded burglaries in June, when, not, when this crowd were very active, and this was one of their happy hunting grounds, if you like. But by last month, um, this had more than halved, it dropped to 27 and there was 29 incidents in July. And they were killed, of course, on the 7th of July, so they'd only been in operation for one week during July. And say in the Leash Garda division, um, there were 19 um, burglaries in August. That compares with 39 in June. And again, this was an area where um, these chaps were very, very active, you know. And what other areas were they targeting then? Was, was, it, was it just Meath's... Westmeath, Leash, Offaly, or were they were they um, filtering into Kildare or Kilkenny? Or? They 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 targeted um, the, basically the whole country. For example, um, in the case of Dean Maguire, um, he was he was on bail in relation. Bail, well, he, he was on the run from uh, 
He'd escaped from custody in the UK where he was serving a prison sentence for burglary and he came back here. But he was actually on bail at the time of his death in relation to um, what was described by Gardaí as a very sophisticated bur- planned burglary operation as far away as County Mayo. And um, himself and some of his associates were charged in relation to this. But, it, but it, in court... Maguire and his associates were described as a, by Gardy as a highly sophisticated, organised crime gang. So um, Mayo, Kerry, even places that far from Dublin, they were still active. But I suppose Leinster was their, um, you know, it was one of the handiest places to go to. So apart from figures there for Leash and Offaly and Mead and Westmead, down in Carlo Kilkenny, um, which, which is actually, I suppose, it's the best performing Garda division in Leinster um, over the summer, um, there was something like I think there was something like ele- only eleven burglaries in August, but um, the Gardaí there um, were planning to press charges against at, at least two members of the gang. Um, they'd been caught on CCTV, CCTV taking part in a burglary um, in in that area in the, in the County Kilkenny area in April. So maybe that kind of led them to stay a bit out a bit out of those counties as well. So, Ken, their funerals were pretty spectacular on a number of levels. I think that's really what drew the attention of the nation to them in particular um, after their deaths there in July. There was a lot of floral tributes which kind of celebrated their status as a burglary gang. Um, And their funerals were videoed by a funeral company, I think, and, and some of the the photographs and videos put up online. Yes, um, these funerals were, I suppose, outrageous in a way. They made international headlines. In the case of Dean Maguire's funeral, um, I, I don't think anyone had ever seen anything like it. A screwdriver and a torch brought to the altar um, as as gifts, um, basically glorifying his, his very vicious criminal career. Um, question, it has to be said as well, questions ha- have been asked, even by... Gardaí themselves about the policing of these funerals. Um, it seemed there seemed to be no policing um, in relation to it. Uh, there was uh, loads of incidents of dangerous driving. Um, there was people storming in, in and out of the church. It just seemed out of control. And um, it just seemed to be let play out as well. Um, no one has been charged in relation to some of the criminal conduct that, that went on during these funerals. And um, it certainly, it, it made headlines across the world. And um, it, what Gardy are saying as well is kind of the old adage that um, there's going to be plenty more of this in, in the future. This is, this is what you're going to see ahead. Even in the Sunday world, uh, we saw last weekend a, a funeral in Limerick of a criminal. And again, while it wasn't on the scale of what we saw in Tala uh, back in July, um, you, you know, you have people taking over the street and, arriving at Limerick Prison and uh, basically glorify, glorifying in criminality. Celebrating the gangsterism of, of, of their lives. So these guys, I don't know whether, is there any follow-up investigations into, for example, their wealth? Do you know if the Criminal Assets Bureau are going to be looking at any assets they may have accrued over their years? Or do these burglary gangs, is it nearly a criminal lifestyle? that they go out and they, you know, they terrorise. As you say, they're involved in high-speed chases. There's a bit of a thrill going on there with that. Or do they make serious money? Um, 
there is serious money um, involved in it. Um, but, but a lot of, for example, what, what would be stolen in burglaries would go to middlemen who are involved then in, in shipping the stuff, jewellery, for example, and all that kind of stuff out of the country. I'm not aware, actually, of any particular uh, cab investigation in, re- in relation um, to, to the gang. But um, I suppose the money they, they would have made, they would have made a good living, for want of a better word, out of their... Um, out of their uh, their criminality, but not at, yeah. not at a higher level of money making, um, the likes of which we see with the with the Kinahan cartel, for example, and a lot of the drug gangs. So they're kind of making money to live off, and a little bit more, I presume. The you know you'd have holidays and. But they wouldn't be a sophisticated group in that they don't have a money laundering wing that we know of or like they're shipping the jewellery out because it's probably easier to sell without being caught, I imagine. Well, Gardy have identified um, one of their money launderers in the, who's based in the Crumlin area. And in fact, a couple of weeks ago, um, they put a, a large amount of jewellery on display um, that they had seized from this individual. Now, he, he hasn't been charged yet in relation to the seizures, but um, the Gardaí were hoping to to get, you know, for people to identify the jewellery. Um, some of it might be of huge sentimental value. Some of it was actually of huge financial value. But this particular individual would be someone that the likes of Maguire, Freeman and Taylor would go to with the ill-gotten gains. And he would use his contacts, the money launderer, in the UK and the mainland Europe to get the stuff shipped out of here and sold on. Mm. And gangs like these have kind of changed the landscape of rural Ireland for people living in them. And, you know, over the years, they've, they have terrorised communities and, you know, people living a certain lifestyle that we might all hanker after, that you could leave the back door open. Those days are gone, aren't they, with with these gangs being around and nobody is is safe from being targeted by them. If you look at the example of what the, the, the suspected driver on the night, Carl Freeman, again, someone who had over 70 previous convictions, um, his most significant jail sentence was uh, a six-year stretch for an absolutely horrific aggravated burglary in which he terrorised an elderly couple in rural County Wicklow. Um, the, the, the old age pensioner woman... Um, that he targeted, threatened with a hurl, was actually suffering from a severe cancer at the time and other health issues. And he, her husband, who was 72 years old at the time, he actually assaulted him with a hurl. Um, this led to that, that couple never fe- just not feeling safe enough to ever go back to their house again. And while this is, a, I suppose, a publicised um, situation because there was a court case and, in fact... Uh, the, the Court of Appeal um, added a year on top of Freeman's original sentence because of the gravity of the of this particular aggravated burglary. Um, there's plenty of other examples of people di- that you know that di- it didn't end up in court, um, where people are are suffering in silence and absolutely terrorised because of the activities of, of this gang and their associates over a number of years. And we've often heard of people that have been targeted and they may have had a few bob hidden away that they hadn't declared and then they feel they can't go, you know, and report and report it. So, you know, even though they're victims of crime, they feel that they can't come forward to the guards. So no doubt there's there's plenty of people that didn't even report them um, over the years, which I, I was reading 
there about one of these guys that there have been floral tributes to them left um, uh, near their grave and that they have been vandalised or the grave has been vandalised? Is, is there a kind of a suggestion that there's some sort of a, a feud situation emerging? Um, well, Dean McGuire, there's a memorial at the site of the, um, of the, of the, of the fatal collision. Uh, a, a memorial of sorts to Dean McGuire. And this week it had emerged that um, it, since the memorial had been placed there, it had been vandalised three times. And this has led uh, Dean McGuire's partner, Sally Ann, to, uh, to t- she'd speak out on social media. And she's actually warned that the person, she ca- called the, the person that, that's responsible for it a coward. She also warned um, that the person, um, if, if they find out who he, who he or she is, um, might meet Dean Maguire uh, quicker than they might think, uh, which is quite a, quite a threat as well. You know, it's, um, I, I suppose it can't be condoned, uh, this kind of activity, but it also shows the level of, the nature of the crimes of these individuals have led, it has led to a certain amount of public revulsion, which covering crime for years, as you have as well, Nicola, it's something you kind of rarely see in relation to, to, to this. It's because, I suppose, they regularly targeted very elderly and vulnerable people. I mean, certainly. Um, the decrease in burglaries in the areas that you've you've noted, the, the figures you're going to keep, I presume, monitoring those. But are the Guardia expecting that to remain low? And I presume they keep their vigilance up. Um, you know, they're not going to sit back on their laurels because these three individuals are dead and the figures have dropped. They'll, they'll be continue to target these these crime gangs. They will continue, and there's a number of special operations in place, but the, I suppose the reality of it is, and it, it's something that happens every year, um, maybe COVID times, when we were, everyone was stuck at home um, last winter, jilted it a bit. Um, the expectation is that um, burglaries, despite the demise of these three individuals, burglaries will increase um, again now during the darker nights of late autumn and into winter. And in fact, one of, one of the counties um, that we looked at as part of the, our story, uh, County Wexford, has already seen a, a big increase. It, it kind of booked a trend rather than most other counties in um, uh, Leinster in, in terms that um, it had 40 uh, burglaries in August um, compared to 19 in June and 26 in July. So maybe um, that's a kind of a warning for the rest of the counties in Leinster, Garda divisions, that um, these burglary gangs are maybe becoming more active again. There is one other significant point about it um, that had been raised by a couple of people, um, and that's the nature of the, of the deaths of these individuals. Uh, it had been a growing trend for burglary gangs over the months before the incident, and possibly even maybe 18 months, two years, for these gangs to drive the wrong way down motorways um, in a bid to get rid of, you know, uh, the Gardaí and to escape scenes, etc. And it was successful. Uh, it's, there is a, a theory, I guess, that the, the, very, the, the nature of these guys' demise, uh, the horrific way they um, met their end, has made other criminals think twice about the tactic of driving uh, down the wrong way of a motorway. And this also may be a reason for uh, 
the de- decline in burglaries in most counties in Leinster. Well, look, we'll keep an eye on the figures and I'm sure, like, in all areas of organised crime, the demise of some key players just makes way for the rise of, of some new gang members maybe to rise up the ranks. But um, for the moment, Ken Foy, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Nicola. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. If you like the podcast and love true crime, why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe.